Hey everybody, Jim Samus here, and welcome to the Kayak Fishing Show Live. I uh, appreciate you joining us here today. As always, every Tuesday and Thursday, we air older episodes of my show along with live commentary. So we are here to answer your questions about the location and all that. Um, on Tuesdays are the Jackson Kayak Years, the, the newer stuff. Um, and then on Thursdays are the Ocean Kayak Years. Now, I didn't do a show last Thursday. I'm not going to do a show this Thursday. Got a great surprise uh, late last week, and my daughter showed up. And uh, so we're just doing family stuff. So I'm doing the one live show a week instead of the two so I can hang out with my family and just play around and do stuff. So, But we'll get back on the regular schedule next week, do an hour, two a days. Of course, our Tuesday shows are also brought to you by Patrick C. Beals, a band of anglers. And uh, he joins us to show us his different brands of lures under a band of anglers. And uh, today is actually the last one where we're going over um, lure brands. And uh, we were just chatting and we're going to try uh, to continue this going. So we're going to have him on uh, early part of the shows on Tuesdays and give more specific information out, particular lures, maybe some good instruction on how to fish those lures. Uh, we just came up with this idea a few minutes ago, so uh, we got to nail things down a little bit. But uh, Patrick is always a wealth of information. And of course, he's always happy to answer questions about any kind of fishing because the guy's caught more fish species than anybody I know. Um, but again, if you are new to this, please join us every Tuesday, uh, Thursday, and we ask you very much if you can like, comment, share. Uh, that really helps. And along with uh, Patrick being on here, we do the uh, the discount codes for uh, the Sabeel Lures, uh, or not the Sabeel Lures, the Band of Angler Lures. Uh, and this week will be the Engage product, which we were talking about. So you see these codes right here, 20% uh, off for the first 20 hours, 15% off for the remainder of the week. And then... We are also doing the, um, let me get rid of that so it shows better, but uh, your chance at a custom hand-picked selection of lures, $150 gift assortment of lures. Patrick will pick them out. He'll talk to you and go over what lures are best for your type of fishing, and you will get that. We will uh, select that probably, uh, we give it 24 hours after the show. So we'll select that sometime tomorrow and we will let you guys know. But with no further ado, I'm going to bring on my good friend, Patrick Seville. Patrick, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. That's a <laughs> cleanup day. Yeah. Last time you were, it was all bushy and now it's all, well, semi-clean. You, you could take yeah. one step closer to the razor and really clean that up. But, uh, I'm, yeah. not one, I'm not one to talk. Yeah, let, let's keep it rough a little bit. You know, we're still in that uh, in those COVID times. But this morning, I looked myself in, in the mirror and, and I know I have to hit the road and see a few people. And I was like, well, they are going to really believe that the, the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot exists. And I, I <laughs> was like, okay, cut it all. <laughs> Gone for a while. <laughs> so, um, Patrick... Before we get going, we're going to be talking about the engaged lures, but on our last show, we were talking about the up and down. And so I grabbed one of the up and down lures that I did an unboxing. You sent me a few of the up and down lures and I grabbed one of the lures and I did this. Instead of using the tails that it came with, I grabbed a couple of your dart spins. This has me very, very intrigued. What do you think? I, I, I've done that by myself too. So you take the, the auto grub, that double twin uh, jig head, and instead of putting the grubs that come with, indeed, you put the three and a half inch long dart spin, and that makes a fantastic action. And now you have the two, the two blades that are spinning when you, you know, jump, when you jig it up and down. A lot of action works great as well. Just be sure one thing 
those are not the same soft plastic material. So if you leave together the, the curly tails and the dart spin, well, guess what? That's going to be a mess. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. You always have to remember with all the hyper elastic stuff, keep it away from your other plastics because it will melt. <laughs> yeah. uh, any other time, just by themselves, they are great. You know, they're super, super tough, but they will melt with other plastics. So be aware of that. But I, I'm thinking besides just the bay bass thing, I'm thinking in between the columns of the kelp beds and just, you know, a, a, a slow retrieve, maybe up and down between there. That's going to mm -hmm. attract so much attention for the calicas. Yeah. And, you know, I, I use those lures, uh, both the Rotashad and the Rotagrub for bass. I, I, I most of the time I live on, on the lake in, in central Florida. So there's, there's a bunch of bass. And uh, that's why I use it. Uh, there's almost always from the four or five rod I bring with me for the past six months. I like to have one with the Rotashad, especially because it casts very long. You know, it's just a piece of metal, so it casts very well. And actually, in my lake, which is relatively deep for the state of Florida, it's up to 24 feet deep. Um, there's actually a lot of open water bass that are chasing on, on very small uh, bait fish. So Rotashad does it well. And the good thing is, even if I have to cast where there's some lily pads, the fact that the two hooks are inside, that's why I kind of compare a little bit with a, a spinner bait because you have the hook inside that's protected by the wire that's above. And, and here you see both hook protect the other one. That's why they glide very well in lily pads. There's really no reason that you won't uh, glide through, through the kelp very well as well. Now, the little snap, you asked me the question. I think it's about a 30 pound snap, so it's re reasonably strong. Um, for most use of small, medium-sized fish. But if you are fishing and you believe you have chance to have larger fish or you need a uh, you know, stronger line, then don't use that snap and just make a loop on your leader. That's what I was saying. You're just using a loop knot. Yeah, you just want to give the maximum freedom because when you make that short jigging with the right cadence, your rotashad or your rotagrub, they literally will turn 360 degrees. You just okay. need to find the right cadence. So that's, that's really why you want to have a loop or a snap uh, in the middle between the, the, the two lures, which is one lure, um, just to have that freedom. If you purely pull and or jiggy gently or cast and retrieve, then uh, you just can have a tight knot. It's no big deal. But if you want to try to have that 360 degree, which is great because you can leave the lure on one spot and you just, you just find the right cadence and that thing will yeah, move that's... really really a lot you don't see that here because it's in the air uh yeah. and i really need to I'm just saying it swings so, very freely and yeah uh, yeah you, you ever throw a, a plastic tail a uh a dart spin on the roto shad no because, because I have rub. Rotogrub, rub. you know the double g head right right it just fit perfectly yeah That's no it did it and with the uh the slots already in the dart spin it makes it so easy yeah. i mean it went right into the perfect spot so anyway you're actually supposed to be talking about the engage yeah, lures what is tell us about the engage brand under band of anglers i'm, I'm sure you're going to do that but you told me uh, a few minutes ago that you may go fishing uh, maybe next week or sometimes yes i, I can't wait for for you I, I i need you to share with us what was your experience with those rotashad and rotagrub bring some picture of fully uh, of fully have good fishing maybe also you know black uh, halibut maybe a uh, black sea bass who knows <laughs> <laughs> uh you know before we get going there's a few people that have checked in well nicholas checked in many times uh hey, nicholas uh, yeah nicholas is a, a good buddy of yours i'm, I'm guessing <laughs> he's uh well, he, he checks in of course yeah Always, always shares the abandofanglers.com. And of course, as you can see all the products over there. Um, Noel says, I still need to take a pic of the varial hoodie. Oh, and Noel was the winner uh, of the varial hoodie from NRS. Oh, and on that note, I actually got a box of stuff from NRS. It showed up right before the show started. So I'm going to be doing an unboxing of that tomorrow or the next day. When I've got a few minutes, it doesn't take up the amount of time that a regular show does. Zachary Cliff, how you doing, man? Up in NorCal. Um, Facebook user. He is watching from the Facebook group, and it always comes up like that. Yeah, look at that. Um, 
And Marcel, from, hello from Uruguay. Wow. I love this. We get viewers from all over the world. Of course, we have viewers not only on uh, the Kayak Fishing Show page, the Kayak Fishing Group page, as well as Kayak Fishing Tales. And I should remind people um, always, uh, you know, if you watch it over at kayakfishingtales.com, which is our YouTube channel, uh, and you subscribe, hit that subscribe button, you are more likely to be notified of when we go on live. Facebook doesn't always notify our, our, our viewers uh, that we're going on live, and I believe YouTube is much better at it. So if you want to make sure you're notified of when we're coming on live, kayakfishingtales.com, and of course, that's where we download a lot of our feature videos. So anyway, Patrick, Engage okay. Lures. Yeah, well, Engage Lure, actually Engage, I consider Engage brand to be somehow the closest of what was Sibyl. I'm going to give, so give you the whole screen. Whoops, I tried <laughs> to give you the whole screen. There you go. There uh, you go. And ladies, yeah. So Engage is the brand that I, I worked on thinking I want to make that brand the closest of Sibyl. It's not about fresh water, not about salt water, not about hard lure, not about soft plastics. That's a brand I, I plan to grow with a number of lures. We have uh, different things in, in the way. There's a crankbait, the loader crank. There's a minnow. You, you got a prototype with you, the loader minnow that have that unique build, like the loader crank also have that very unique build. Um, there's a bucktail for, uh, for flipping and pitching for bass. That's coming. That's really interesting. And I started with these two guys. Basically, uh, like my kids, I have twins, and those are twins lures. So one is named the Twitchad, and one is named the Twitcher. So I came with that one design, and I'm going to start with this guy. So that, that, that one is the Twitcher. So Twitcher is a soft plastic body. You have a 350-pound wire through. So it's really totally silent, and it's very strong. You know, sometimes you have some plastic bait that that are twitch or jerk bait, but they come with very thin wire, very thin hooks, and, and they fit a lot of needs. I, I'm surely not here to, to say something wrong about that. I'm just saying my approach was more that when we need to have a soft plastic body that can be totally silent, that have that is really strong, that can hold a very big fish, very strong fish, heavy line, that have solid hooks, you know, solid split ring and everything, that is what the twitch uh, the twitcher is about. Now Using the same exact same design, I came also with the Twitchad. The Twitchad is hard body floating. So in that case, I have the Twitchad 90 and the Twitcher 105. So the soft one, she's sinking, is a little bit bigger than the hard one, which is a floating. So that's why they really complement each other. So if you like that that shape and what it can do for you and your needs, whether you fish on the flats for reds or uh, sea trout, you go for calicos, you can fish along a, a bridge, for example, for tarpoon or snook. You can do a lot of things. So one of the things you, you can do when you use a twitch bait like this guy, the twitch ad, well, is fishing on the flats. And whether you fish by foot or from your kayak, or if you use your kayak to go on the flats, and then from there you put your spike in the sand and, and, and you go walk around, well, you know the distance quite often is a key element. And it's a key element because when you fish on the flats, very often the fish are very finicky there. And uh, I, I mean, it's, it's quite well known. Uh, so when I work on that, I mean, I guess some of you know uh, one of my previous bait, which was actually my second best selling bait with Seville, which is named the stick shad, also, also a, a stick bait. And I, I made a very good casting bait and I optimized the action. In the case, and here's a different color, so you can see, you can see through the position of weight so you can see better here if I can. There it is. Here you go. So, um, so what is the difference between the Seville Stick Shad and the Engage Twitch Shad? Well, on that one, I gave a priority to the distance. So to, to speak simply, uh, using the same Stick Shad 90 floating or the same length, Twitch Shad 90 uh, floating, Actually, this guy with the same rod, reel, and line makes an average of 12 to 15 feet longer cast. So some people may think, well, it's not a lot. Well, really, when you fish in one feet of water and the, the redfish are very finicky, those 12 or 15 feet really can make a big difference. Another thing you can notice is the hooks. 
you know, many, many little, many Twitch baits uh, come with very thin wire hooks and stuff like that. And what happened is, well, the guy who don't fish often, who don't know really how to catch a good fish, just leave the thin wire hooks and he's okay with that. Now, if you really fish seriously, if you're aware that sometimes you have a really big fish or sometimes you have the mangrove next to you and you need to, to horse the fish because the snook or the big red may want to go in the mangrove, you need to, to put a lot of pressure. Well, those thin wire travel hooks are likely to open. And that's why many people, when they buy most of the twitch bait on the market, the first thing they do, they remove the split ring, they remove the travel hook, they throw them away or use them for something else and they put stronger ones. So I came right away with something that have really travel hook you can rely. And you know, it's not just about the flats. If you, if you want to fish for a, uh, calicos in California and you're fishing next to the kelp and you want to have a, a small topwater action like this, you still can have a small bait and you can rely that the hook will not give up easily. I, I think you, you can see well enough. So they yeah. are not only thick, but they are also, you know, a kind of very sharp um, hook. So so that's why the, the, the twitch shad really it's in that category of long distance, little twitch bait. You see the size compared to my hand. Uh, but you can rely on them. They have good hooks. They have a great action. You can twitch them. You can walk the dog. And they really, I designed them in a way that they beat, in terms of pure distance, the overlure from the market that have the same length and that are also floating. Of course, if you want to compare a floating bait and a sinking, which is typically denser, well, the, the sinking, you know, being heavier, may, may weigh 30 or 50% heavier, will make a longer cast. But if you compare, Apples to apples, so floating 90 millimeter twitch bait to another floating 90 millimeter. That's very likely uh, the one that you can find that make the longest cast. Actually, I done very well also on largemouth bass with this guy. In that very case for largemouth, then I removed those travel hook and I put thinner wire. So that is the twitch chat. Now that shape with the the fin that you see under the belly. You know, the fin is not and may look like it's a gimmick to make it look like, okay, it looks like there's a fin. Actually, that's, that fin helps when you twitch and you dart the bait that helps to grab in the water and that helps to make those darting action and, and walking and side to side. So now I mentioned those were twin baits because if you have fish that are underneath the docks or that are along racks, you know, you, you may have a snook here in Florida. You may have a striped bass in, well, many other places. You can see above me, you know, it's my house here, you see. <laughs> striped bass here, and if you look on the side here, here you see a snook. So you, you can sell some of my, and there are more around, <laughs> uh, favorite fish. Well, um, sometimes you need to cast as close as you can to those rocks or wall or underneath um, branches, underneath a dock. The problem being with our bait, well, the plastic, the ABS, is always weaker than concrete and stones and pilings. So when you want to be very accurate, if you're very accurate, good for you. But it just takes one wrong cast to have the bait hitting full speed against some hard structure and to break in half. Well, that was one of the two reasons why I came with a bit larger, same shape, same design, but soft plastic body. and you can tell the thickness of the wire, 350 pound wire. So now the twitchad, the twitcher, sorry, the twitchad is the floating out plastic, the twitcher, soft body, reinforced, weights inside. So now you can cast along the rocks and, and the, the, the piling and everything, but if it bounces against it, you won't break that. You won't break that. That's why I choose to have a soft plastic body. Now, that one dive and he rolls on the dive. So it have because you, you have two weights here. One is we see a little bit through the plastic. One is on the front right here. The other one is there. And I find perfect balance. So when you simply flip it or pitch it or even make a long cast and just keep the line half slack and do nothing, it rolls like this on the dive. A very, very good action just on the dive. And that's why it also complements the twitcher that's why the twitch ad that's why also i wanted the twitcher to be a bit larger so it allows a little bit more to fish more open water you still can fish it very shallow because if you have a steady retrieve that guy will have a little roll sideways and will fish within about two or three inch 
from the top. So you still can fish it pretty shallow. But if you want to let it dive 10, 15, 20 feet deep and just let it roll, and sometimes you give it a twitch or you give it a long jerk, then that's a bait for you. And it's really soft plastic, so it's really silent. Now, one of the benefits is that there's a hole right here that you can see. So if you want to have the bait, see my eyes? <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to have the bait totally silent, here you go. Now I see you. If you want to have the bait totally silent, well, just keep it like this. But if you want to add some noise, because as we know, sometimes noise attracts fish. Beware, sometimes it's the opposite. But sometimes a little bit of noise add. Well, you may have find that some uh, jerkbait have a rattle inside already. And typically the rattle is in that kind of position, right? So in fact, you don't optimize the, the noise created. That's why the hole I have is perpendicular. So now you take that um, rattle, which come with the bait. It's rattle made of brass and stainless steel. So you have that tube made of brass. You have one stainless steel bead at the end on both ends and one in, inside. So that optimize the noise that have a low, loud rattling. And when you want simply to turn your bait from a silent bait to a noisy one, then you take this and you simply position right into the hole that's made for. Perfect. Very simple and perfect. So that's why those two guys truly, and I'm not kidding when I'm saying truly, they really complement each other. There's a hook. When I say the hook are sharp, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why those two guys, the Twitch are here on top, floating hard bait, uh, top water, with more of chemical sharp hooks because it's more for open water, so you can use lighter line when I have uh, a different type of hook for this guy because, in fact, when you have the chemical sharp hooks, if they eat uh, rocks and stuff like that, they lose their sharpness very easily. So that's why I choose a different type of treble hook, still a very strong one, a little bit less sharp, but typically you use a heavier line, which compensate. But this kind of, of hook have a, a more blunt point. I mean, it's still sharp, but not as sharp as, as these guys. So when you bounce it against walls and rocks or pilings, they will less likely lose their sharpness because that's a different type of sharpening. That's the kind of attention to detail I pay because both bait are complementary to each other. One for that top water, more lighter line use, which is this guy, the Twitch ad, and one more for typically heavier lines and fish a bit deeper, which is this guy, the Twitcher. So those are the two baits I want to introduce to you from uh, from the Engage brand. Awesome. And those can all be found on abandofanglers.com along with all the other great products, the Hyperlastic, the <coughs> Choking... Um, the ocean born um my mind's going blank at the moment <laughs> on all the brands but uh you know i fish all the lures and yes. um they are all fantastic so i know i, I my, one of my favorite lures of yours was the stick shad um i and you were saying that this one is very similar in uh the, the way you fish it the action that really nice erratic darting action um which i mean it was it was a fish killer, so I'm, I can only imagine these are going to work just as well. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate it, and we will look forward to having you back with us next Tuesday. For sure. See you next week, guys. See All you right. Again. Thank you. Take care. Awesome. Messing up here, left and right. Um, so... Uh, again, if you're new to this, every uh, Tuesday and Thursday, we air older episodes of the show. A lot of times, uh, you know, I try to get on a guest who was in that episode. Unfortunately, uh, John Jackson, who was in this episode with me, who used to work for Ram, um, no longer is in the fishing industry or anything like that. He's now a banker. <laughs> so he was unable to join me for today's show. So it'll just be me. But these uh, today's episode is a continuation of our trip. Uh, and it wasn't a trip for me because it was here in San Diego. And uh, it was an interesting one. Um, if you watched the episode last week where we, we had the tournament where some really big fish were caught and it was 
just beautiful, beautiful weather. Well, the weather changed while we were shooting our part. And we, uh, I had a, about at that time I had a 12 foot, uh, Valco with a, uh, 10 horse, um, Yamaha on it that we just used for a camera boat. And we paddled the kayaks down the beach, uh, down towards Black's beach. And, um, very unusual for here, a storm rolled in very quickly. That doesn't normally happen here. If you, there's a storm, you know, there's going to be a storm, but it just came on like gangbusters. The, uh, it poured with rain, uh, howling winds. It got super snotty and where we launched the kayaks from, we could also launch the boat from right at the beach in La Jolla. And it was just a flood. Um, I mean, getting that boat out of the water and back up onto the street and getting it onto the truck was a chore. So, um, but we ended up getting some yellowtail and just ha had a great trip. So with no further ado, and please, if you have any questions, please send them my way. I'm happy to answer any of your questions about kayak fishing or kayak fishing La Jolla, anything like that. And um, we will get this episode rolling here momentarily because apparently it dropped out for some reason. There it is. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode of the Kayak Fishing Show. This was from about 2015. This week on the Kayak Fishing Show, we are in my hometown, San Diego, California, and we're fishing La Jolla, La Jolla, California, which is where kayak fishing really got its start. I mean, it's where it, one of the areas anywhere where it really took off. I'm gonna be fishing with my good buddy, Paul Leibowitz, and we got John Jackson from Ram Mounts is coming along. He's gonna come and visit me, and I get to show him around La Jolla, someplace that uh, he's visited once with me before, but he never really got a chance to go chase big fish. So that's what we're gonna do this week on the Kayak Fishing Show. <laughs> This week on Jackson Kayak's Kayak Fishing Show, Jim is joined by John Jackson from Ram Mounting Systems for a week of fishing around Jim's home of San Diego. Yeah, I mean, I've been excited to uh, to do a shoot here in my backyard. You know, um, it's where I started kayak fishing. Um, La Jolla is a special place. Some magical things happen there. I mean, I caught my very first marlin there. Um, I've caught thousands of yellowtail there, but La Jolla is a real finicky beast. So for me to plan a shoot like we normally do a year in advance to do in La Jolla, we'd never really done it because La Jolla can be really up and down. Um, but this year has just been ridiculous. Well, I'm John Jackson and uh, I work for Ram Mounts, Ram Mounting Systems. Uh, I've been kite fishing for about a couple of years now, and uh, I've found out about the community behind it, the people behind it, and uh, kind of what it means to everybody that's involved with it. We got to fish with uh, John Jackson from uh, Ram Mounts, and uh, I actually had the opportunity to take him fishing once before here in La Jolla and got him some calico bass. And uh, but he, he's a pretty uh, inexperienced kayak angler. He's an ex extremely enthusiastic kayak angler, but uh, not real experienced. Um, it, it, particularly when it comes to 
offshore bigger game fish. So uh, a lot of things were new to him. Uh, you know, he was kind of wide-eyed on uh, launching through the surf. Um, he was pretty wide-eyed when the conditions got sketchy. Um, and he was very wide-eyed when it came to actually pulling on a big fish. So it was kind of fun. <laughs> it was kind of fun introducing all that stuff to, to somebody who was so excited to do it, and so excited to um, to get out there and do something he wasn't uh, had never done before. Oh, I I put a bait down. I haven't been down a minute. I just put this bait down. Got slammed. I may have broken. I don't even feel my weight anymore. Little Bonita. A little Bonita. I've actually taken Bonita this size and pinned him on his bait for Yellowtail. Let him go. There he goes. <laughs> Takes off like a rocket. We're on our way in, so I'll troll this last little stretch before we hit the beach. Maybe I'll get lucky. When we come back, Jim and John face a full assault as an unexpected storm pulls them off the water. So, um, like I said, so there was, I guess you could see my uh, little Valco, which was, like I said, it was a super fun little boat. Um, actually broached in that thing got thrown out of the boat uh and about six miles offshore <laughs> and that was when my wife says you know we need a bigger boat so uh now i have a 22 foot defiance <laughs> um tv metal art how you doing man thanks for joining us this guy if you guys uh are interested in some really cool uh art he does um fish and kelp and all this stuff really really cool stuff um and uh he's got a facebook page and all that so look up tb metal art uh i'm a i'm a super big fan of the stuff that he does um black flag fishing made it in cool thanks for watching from kayak fishing tales and once again uh kayak fishing tales is our youtube channel um so please always you know subscribe to kayak fishing tales so you're notified and of course, you know, we're always looking to make these shows better. And the more questions we get, the better, uh, the more shares we get, the better the reach we get, the more the sponsors like it. So it, the more you can help us out with those uh, engagement, the, uh, the shares and everything, we really appreciate that. Um, so let's keep this episode rolling. And again, if you have any questions about fishing in La Jolla, I've been guiding in, in kayak fishing in La Jolla since 95. Uh, so uh, a little while. Get past the commercial stuff here. Welcome back. Oh, uh, one thing I did I would notice uh, or say is you'll notice that on the back of the kayaks, and I think I say it in the episode. I haven't watched this episode uh, in a long time, but um, we had some torpedoes. I had a torpedo mounted on the back of my Kraken, and we had another one mounted on the back of the Cuda. And uh, I'll say this. I mean, they are awesome. <laughs> the problem with the, the biggest problem I have with the Torquedo is it makes you lazy because <laughs> once you have it on there, I've I've done it like, oh, we're going to go way offshore and uh, we'll use it as a way to get back if we get tired or anything like that. And you're on the water for an hour and you're like, you know what? I think I'll just put this in the water now and they'll run all day. Great at trolling speed. So uh, I'm a big fan of the Torquedo. Uh, for, for when you're just buzzing around. Like I said, I love paddling, but the Torquedo is fun. There's no doubt about that. This week we're in San Diego fishing Jim's home waters of La Jolla. You can see that Torquedo so on the back the of the boat right there. Perfect, and the guys have managed a few fish. Today's weather report shows there may be a bit of rain, but that won't stop the team from hitting the water. Some uh, white sea bass got caught the other day at the tournament, so we're gonna give that a go put some stuff on the bottom for a little bit. I'll probably put two lines out, put one on the bottom, one on the top. 
and just drift for a little while, see if we see anything, if anything happens. Awesome, if not, then we'll go uh, try something else, we'll maybe try some trolling around like we normally do out here. But a lot of fish got caught deep um, during the tournament, so definitely worth our while to at least give that a go for a little bit. It was uh, it was uh, interesting to, to to say the least. It was uh, stormy and uh, <laughs> cold, and the conditions weren't really uh, ideal. I don't think for any kayak fisherman, <laughs> uh, to say the least. It was uh, kind of gray, you know, just over uh, overcast and cloudy and stuff. And I think that the weather forecast in general was poor. Overall, it was it was pretty terrible. <laughs> it was uh, like a rainy and gusty and three and four foot swells. Um, something I did not expect <laughs> coming to uh, Southern California, but uh, it was an adventure. I'll say that. So it's like yeah. Yeah, so I'm just gonna point out. You can see the street here. The water is starting to run down. It actually formed, I made a drop off off the edge, so we couldn't get the trailer for the boat all the way down there. Um, it, I don't know, film or video, whatever, never does any justice to how bad the conditions were. It was snotty, and we had paddled up to um, up off Tory Pines, and so we, we were fairly far north. And like I said, this storm just picked up and we had to come back into that wind and slop. Um, we ended up towing the kayak because we needed somebody else in the boat besides the camera guy because the camera guy was basically filming and running the boat. And we needed somebody else in there to keep bailing the water out because so much water was coming over the bow. It was nasty. And I mean, we checked the water, the weather reports. It was supposed to be, you know, iffy. Um, but it wasn't supposed to be like that. It wasn't supposed to be that bad at all. So always be prepared when out on the water for sure. Oh, man, this is a perfect year to do a really cool shoot to, to feature La Jolla. What happens? <laughs> what always happens? You know, you call in the cameras. It seems like we also call in the weather and call in the thunder, call in the lightning and call in the the storms with bad weather keeping the guys off the water jim takes a moment to clean the old line off his rods and shows you how to spool a reel at home i like to fish with uh braided line on my reels um and you want to match up the line size to the type of reel you have the type of fishing you're going to be doing i like to use uh for a lot of my bigger game fishing uh, the threadlock seaguar threadlock hollow core braid whenever using braid on a reel First thing you want to do is you want to put some uh, tape or uh, some mono on the reel first because braid is a little bit slippery and if you don't put something underneath it for it to bite into, it can spin on the spool. So I just fill my uh, reel with maybe an eighth of an inch of uh, monofilament. Then we're going to do a... So I'm going to pause that right there for a, a tip because um, I actually now have a line winder, but... Rather than putting tape or mono, I use the uh, silicone kind of plumber's tape that I have right here. And what did I do? That. So this stuff. And I wrap that on the spool before putting on the braid. And the nice thing about using this instead of like electrical tape um or mono or anything like that well electrical tape it leaves your spool all sticky and this just kind of locks onto itself so it gives the braid something to bite into but it doesn't leave sticky stuff on your spool after the fact so this is what i always put on my spools before uh lining up with with braid so there's your little tip and it just happened to be sitting here on my desk so let's continue the video. God, I'm having a terrible time with my controls today. Just a uni to uni knot to connect my braid. Now one of the keys with fishing braid or putting braid on your reel, uh, quite honestly, the best way to do it, go to a shop. 
have them put it on. They have line winders where they can put a lot of tension on them and do it very quickly. But if you don't have that option, you gotta fill up a bunch of reels, you're swapping out line at home. This is a pretty quick and easy, cheap way to uh, do kind of your uh, line winding to keep that pressure on the spool. Uh, what I have here is a wooden dowel. I have a tennis ball on one end, so kind of just a big cardboard washer there. So the wooden dowel, tennis ball, wooden dowel, spool, washers, another tennis ball, and I have a pair of vice grips right here. Just so the pressure, the vice grips holding that washer up against the tennis ball, putting nice pressure on that spool. So on this reel, I've got 80-pound hollow core braid. That sounds like fairly heavy line for being on a kayak, but the thing is, if you go with too light, you end up just having to put on way too much line. So the 80-pound takes up space as much as anything else. And then for the uh, the business end where you're fishing, you can put any size leader that you like. With the uh, the wind-on leaders that I make with that hollow core. I can have a 20 pound leader on there. I can have a 100 pound leader on there and just swap them out. So when you're filling up your reel, it's really important to fill up your reel. Uh, don't go with a spool that's halfway filled because that affects the way the drags work. It affects the gear ratio. So I always will fill my spools all the way. Now, if I'm fishing braid like this, and I'm gonna have a leader, I'll leave maybe an eighth of an inch of uh, space on the spool so when I then put my leader on I have a full spool. Seaguard Threadlock Hollow Core Braid is pretty much my go-to for big game fishing and then I make my uh, leaders with the Threadlock Hollow Core and Seaguard Fluorocarbon and it's just a, a great setup for all my big game fishing. When we return the weather has passed but it has left high winds. Jim and John are left with tough decisions and a possible early end of the trip. Yeah, as I recall, we were um, we were actually talking about because the weather turned so bad that uh, that John would just leave early because um, the weather was terrible. Uh, TV Metal Arts, thanks, Jim. Oh, no problem, man. Uh, like I said, I, I love your stuff, and I think it, you know. If people like fish art, like, you know, I like fish art um, and different types of stuff. It's, it's his stuff is very unique. So again, I, you know, take a look. Um, Black flag fishing. Was this episode filmed before the reserve existed? Uh, no. Um, as I, well, it's 2015. So I, I don't believe so. I think the reserve, well, the reserve has always been there. Then they extended it uh, for the uh, MPAs, the marine protected areas. Uh, where we were fishing was um, out of the reserve. So we were quite a ways north up off of uh, Torrey Pines. So it, it does end up that far. So, um, but I'm pretty sure this was after the MPAs were implemented. And well, I know for a fact it was now that I think about it. Um, and uh, you just have to get far enough north. And sometimes the yellowtail, and that's why we had gone up there is sometimes up in that area, the yellowtail come up right next to the beach. And there is a, a reef all the way up there that sometimes the yellowtail will be up around. So uh, that's why we had gone up there that day. And uh, like I said, we kind of paid for it by the weather just kicking our butts. Uh, do you love to fish for goats out there? That would be sheep's head. Um, if you fish for them, what's your setup? You know what? Honestly, I rarely, if ever fish for any kind of bottom fish. I love fishing calicos. So if I'm out, I generally will be fishing calicos if I'm not fishing for yellowtail white sea bass. Um, I tell you, uh, the two biggest goats I ever caught were up north on that reef. And I actually caught them on bonita strips. Um, so I know a lot of people like to fish for them with shrimp. Um, and that's, that's a great way to go. But, uh, another way is to get uh, crayfish, live crayfish. Um, they'll live long enough while they're down there moving around and, uh, any kind of crustacean like that is great for them. So again, folks, I do appreciate you watching. If you're watching, uh, this live, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, give us those thumbs up. If you're watching on a replay, please let us know that you're watching as a replay because that always helps us gauge, um, I know a lot of people don't have time to watch it live and we'll watch them later. So uh, that way they can fast forward through all my yabbering. So anyway, let's, uh, 
Is this screen back to the episode? Welcome back. This week we're in San Diego fishing in La Jolla. The guys were pulled off the water yesterday with a freak flood. The rains have moved on, but it's left high winds and some tough decisions. So if I'm getting kind of buffeted by wind here, it's gonna be considerably worse outside. And it happens to be a lot here. They'll, they'll paddle out because it feels nice and calm here and they'll get outside and it's blowing like 20 miles an hour. So there, I mean, there's some indicators. We have, there's a flag up on the end of the point that's kind of lit up that I always look at when I come down here. It's like, you make it feel calm here, but if you see that flag sticking straight out as it is right now, uh, you know it's considerably windier, windier on the outside. A lot windier than we thought. Last uh, Yesterday we got beat up pretty bad, so it's a risk to go out there again and waste a day. To, uh, fighting it too hard, not really bringing it fishing. So, hard choice. Kind of went back and forth on whether we should actually go out or not. And it's finally just like, you know what? Let's just go. We can always come back. And uh, turned into a, a beautiful day. I caught uh, a couple um, yellowtail, a couple baby yellowtail. They weren't very big, but uh, it was my first time going for yellowtail. And so, just to catch them at all was. Uh, pretty great for me, uh, just kind of one of those things you can kind of check off your list. Um, and the fight was still good. You know, I'm kind of a, you know, in the past I've been kind of a freshwater guy. So going out in the ocean, uh, going for things that uh, I've not fished for before, uh, and uh, you know, everything else that goes with that. You know, from the day before, it just some of that stuff uh, was, uh, you know, you just never know what's gonna happen. much bigger grade of yellowtail here of late so it's kind of funny to see these uh kind of little peanuts they're so small i got them in the boat so fast go tell your mommy and daddy i'm looking for them for these waters out here in La Jolla. I mean, this is where I'm from. You know, it was designed for punching through the surf, putting in a lot of miles, chasing after big fish. And it's just so easy to rig up. You know, with all the rod holders, great places for the fish finder, just unlimited mountain possibilities, easy to set up for that live bay tank. I mean, it's a big water kayak fisherman dream in my opinion. sashimi later on and the other part I'm gonna put on my smoker stay tuned when we come back the guys will try trolling for yellows and Jim is giving you his recipe for smoked fish dogs here all kinds of noise going on Barbara Keeney, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. One of the old-time La Jolla kayak fishermen moved away from us. Uh, aficionado, how do you narrow down what area you are going to start searching for yellowtail? South, Torrey, Pines, etc. Does current direction determine what area you're going to spend most of your time in? Uh, certainly, uh, current has a lot to do with it. 
Uh, also, uh, historic times, like uh, like I said, we, a lot of times we'll see those big yellowtail up on the beach um, later in the year, uh, later in the summer, I maybe I would say, uh, September, October. Um, and then, of course, later on when you hear about or you see squid boats out there and they might be in the wintertime uh, squid bites. And those are right. Those are the, the wintertime bite, if it's happening, is one of the best because you don't have to go very far at all. Those squid beds are right off the kelp outside the reserve. And you're not trolling. You're just going out there and getting some squid and fishing vertically. Uh, of course, always following the birds, um, having a good fish finder, looking for sign whether they're, they're deep, you know, during the winter months. Uh, generally fishing more deep water in the summer months more often than not, just slow trolling a live bait up on the surface. Uh, I usually would troll two baits. Um, I have these uh, uh, small planer boards so I can get separation on the trolled lines behind me. Uh, but definitely looking out for birds and looking out for signs. Um, it's I'll always be ready, you know, for whether you're, if you're slow trolling a bait, always have a jig stick with you or a vertical jig with you. Something you can, you can drop on something you're spotting on the fish finder. Um, do what's, what's my biggest fish at La Jolla? Well, the biggest fish I ever brought in and I have caught bigger, uh, but the biggest fish I ever brought in and weighed was a 172 pound thresher shark. Um, and I pretty much never kept threshers after that. Uh, I have landed one that I guesstimated was about 250 pounds and I got it up to the kayak and all that. And it's like, you know what, that's more trouble than it's worth. I want to keep fishing. Uh, of course I did get an estimated 180 pound striped Marlin, uh, right off of, uh, in, well, I hooked it in front of Scripps Pier and it dragged me straight out. Um, so those are probably my, my biggest fish I've ever caught. Maybe, uh, I've caught some really big black sea bass as well. Uh, but of course, again, you're, you're not keeping them and you're keeping them in the water. So I, I'm not, I'm not a real good guesser at weights on black sea bass, but, uh, the 172 thresher shark was brought in and weighed. And, um, that was pretty, pretty big. Um, my biggest yellowtail in La Jolla was 48 pounds. Uh, my biggest halibut, I think, was 32 pounds. And my biggest white sea bass was 62 pounds. Um, and that was a big white sea bass, which I landed in probably two minutes. And that's not an exaggeration. Uh, white sea bass are not nearly as strong as yellowtail. And... I tend to fish a very tight drag and we were fishing the squid beds and it was kind of a mix of white sea bass and yellowtail were coming in and I hooked this fish and it started running to the kelp. So I figured I had a yellowtail that was going to run into the kelp, break me off. So I just had my drag lock and I put my head down and I was just winding as fast as I can and as hard as I could. And I literally slammed this white sea bass into the bottom of my kayak. And it just hit the bottom of my boat and rolled over. And I just reached down and pulled it up on the deck. And it, it, like I said, it was maybe two minutes. And it was my biggest white sea bass, sea bass ever. So um, that's the cool thing about La Jolla. I mean, you never know what you're going to hook. I've hooked uh, yellowfin, bluefin, dorado, marlin, you know, all the sharks, uh, makos, threshers. Um, it's a special place. It, it really is a great place. And uh I, I love La Jolla. <laughs> That's why my business was La Jolla kayak fishing. My guide service is La Jolla kayak fishing, which I ended up in the long run and ended up taking more people on San Diego Bay. <laughs> Get a lot of beginners that uh, La Jolla ended up being more of a problem because they were losing my gear and flipping over in the surf and I always figured the bay was a better experience. Today we're in There's, San Diego. Look at that. It's, it says La Jolla and it was actually the, the bay. The sky is cleared and the day looks promising. One last chance for glory. For a couple of days on this trip, we brought our torpedo um, motors for the kayaks. Come on. I said those torpedoes will make you lazy. One of the coolest things is you're not running a car-sized battery to run it. You know, they have a lightweight lithium-ion battery that'll run the, uh, the Torquedo all day long. 
the reason we brought him out there, you know, I'm a paddler. I love paddling, but we were planning on doing some long trips and we knew we also had some adverse conditions. So having that little added insurance that if we did, the weather did come up, we could just drop that motor in and, and buzz and, and give us the assist to paddling. Uh, it meant a lot and, you know, increasing our range for those days that maybe we were going to want to go offshore looking for pelagics. Uh, the Torquedo is just an awesome tool to uh, have in your arsenal of kayak fishing. You don't need to use it every time, but go out there and use it once in a while. It's a blast. Amazingly strong fish. One of the only fish that's ever come close to pulling me off my kayak because they're so erratic. And I tend to fish a tight drag. Fish goes this way, then all of a sudden it goes that way. And if you're not ready for it, it's all of a sudden it's like, whoa. So you gotta be really careful when you're fishing a tight drag with fish like this. They are very powerful fish. Before you know it, another day has come to a close and it's time to head in. With the football game on the TV tonight, Jim decides it's time to turn on the smoker and make something special. I love to eat fish, but you know, sometimes you get tired of doing it the same old way, seared, raw, that sort of thing. Um, what I like to do just to kind of mix it up is um, to do some smoked fish. Um, so I'm going to show you a real easy way to do smoked fish with our Big Chief smoker. Uh, you make up the brine and then you let the fish soak in that brine for at least four hours. Um, the longer it soaks in there, the saltier it'll get. So, you know, depending on your taste for salt, uh, you need to either increase it or decrease it. Before you place your fish onto the smoking grates, you want to prepare those grates. And I use that with just a, a cooking spray. It just helps keep that fish from sticking to it when you go to pull it off. After you've drained off all the excess brine, you want to rinse off the fish in fresh cold water. The reason you want to do that is to get some of that excess salt off it. Don't make the mistake I've made in the past where you forget to rinse it. Otherwise, you end up with very, very salty smoked fish. And then you want to pat it dry. You want the, it, all the excess moisture off of the fish. So I just pat it dry, place it on the smoking grates. So our fish has been sitting for about an hour. Next step is just to put it into our Big Chief smoker. Now, when you buy one of these smokers brand new, they come with a, a bag of the, uh, what they call the flavored chips. Um, it's really important for fish that you don't overpower the flavor of the fish when you're smoking. So you wanna stay away from your mesquite type of chips. I like to use either alder or apple chips. Both of them are much milder flavor and much better on the on, for fish. There's a nice little door here. And that slides right in and that pan is now sitting on top of the heating element. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour for a pan to burn out. Um, I have a coffee can here, so I'll dump the ashes into that and then refill it. And for fish, you don't, you don't want to overpower it again with smoke. So you're not smoking, you're not providing uh, chips the entire smoking process because it is a drying process basically so i will do four pans usually of uh the chips i'll correct that i usually do maybe two now i've backed it way off another you know it depends on how thick your pieces are three four hours after that all right our fish has been in the smoker for about six hours Ooh, it looks good smoky goodness San Diego holds something special in the world of kayak fishing. 
It's where Jim got his start, and some say it's where offshore kayak fishing really began. All that aside, the best part about San Diego is that the weather is almost always nice, and there's always someone to go fishing with as long as you can get out past the surf. Yeah, and they're showing the tiniest surf ever. That beach launch is is really awesome because you can just drive your vehicle right onto the sand there, unload your gear, and then um, go park and then head out. So very convenient. It's uh, a lot more congested than it was back when I started back in there. I mean, you'd see a couple of guys. Now, uh, when there's a good bite, it can be very crowded. In the summers, it's just nuts. I won't even go down there in the summer on a weekend. Uh, and it's always best if you go at O dark 30, because, uh, if you try to wait till the middle of the day or later on, it's just so crowded. Um, if you don't have a four wheel drive vehicle, um, it can, that sand can be as soft as flour. And I can't tell you how many people I've had to help get out of the sand. So, um, unless it's hard packed because there were some high tides and you don't have a four wheel drive, just unload on the, on, from the street and bring your kayak down there. It makes a lot more sense. Uh, Barbara says, a thresher shark on the kayak. I can see where that be a, a problematic. I caught a 300 pound thresher from a sailboat years ago and it was delicious. Yeah, thresher shark is very good to eat. Like I said, I just kind of stopped killing sharks, uh, my personal choice. Um, and uh, But they are very, very good. Um, and the, the cool thing is, for our every kind of day thing in San Diego where you don't have an El Nino or anything like that, where you get pelagics moving in, you know, our main targets, our best targets are um, halibut, yellowtail, white sea bass. But our biggest true sport fish is threshers. Um, we'll also get makos, but makos are problematic. I mean, they're, they're kind of crazy. So next to a kayak, they're kind of crazy. That's why when I fish for threshers, I use a heavy fluorocarbon leader, not wire. So if I hook a mako more often than not, they'll bite off the, the hook, uh, where the threshers have pretty small teeth. Um, and they're less likely to bite you off, but I mean, they're acrobatic, they're jumping, they pull hard. Just, I mean, threshers are super fun. I mean, I encourage people to catch and release, but, you know, that's your choice. Like I said, it is legal to keep them, so that's fine. Uh, but they are a, a great, great sport fish. So that wraps up today's episode. Uh, I thank Patrick Sabil for joining us. And, um, well, Blindabinda123 just found our channel. Well, thanks for joining us. Our show is just ending, but, of course, you can watch on a replay. Um, again, I want to remind people about uh, the discount codes for the uh, band of anglers engage lures. You can see the discount code right there for 20% off for the next 24 hours and 15% off for the remainder of the week. And for one person who shares comments, all the, all the right stuff, uh, uh, tomorrow sometime I will be selecting the winner of a $150 gift assortment of lures and a signed um, catalog from Patrick Sabil. So Patrick will talk to you, see what kind of fishing you do, what makes sense, and he will select a package uh, assortment of lures for you. So, But we do need you to do all that fun stuff like sharing. Um Aficionado, uh, do you still guide in La Jolla? Not very much. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, I mean, I guided for well over 20 years and with all the travel I was doing for the TV show, I kind of just more or less selectively guide. If I'll get somebody I know or, you know, I'll still take out people, but it's, it's much more of a rarity. It's not my full-time gig anymore, which it was, you know, I was guiding seven days a week for a while there. So, uh, Liam, uh, thank you very much for saying great show. Uh, but again, we are here every Tuesday and Thursday. Normally, um, I won't be doing a live show this Thursday, 
Uh, once again, my uh, daughter came and gave us a surprise visit. So doing a lot of family time stuff, uh, either tomorrow or Thursday, just pay attention. Look for a, a special broadcast. Uh, I got a box of gear from NRS uh, and um, that showed up just before the show started. So I'm going to do an unboxing, show you some of the gear from our new awesome sponsor, NRS. So uh, I do appreciate you all joining us every Tuesday and Thursday. And if you are going out on the water, again, please remember, always wear your PFD and keep your paddle right side up. Y'all take care. Oh, I'm going to fix it.